Who is uh, like the Lord our God? No one. No one. That song, it gives us confidence. It uh, reminds us of the hope and the surety that we have in Christ, those who know him by faith. That was fun, to worship God like that together. And what, a, what an amazing thing about this week. I'm grateful for how God has worked in our lives in different ways. Those of you who have professed Christ as your Savior, that's an amazing thing. We're glad for that. Uh, it's been a fun week. Thank you to many of you, and I do mean that many of you over the last couple of days, you've come up to me and you've encouraged me with your favorite dad joke. Thank you for that. That was an extra blessing. And I'm grateful, again, for just the opportunity to share with you God's Word. Take your Bibles, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, we're going to look how the gospel spread through the early days of the church. I've had a few close calls in my ten and a half years of student ministry couple moments that were close calls. They scared me a little bit, but everything turned out all right. High on the list was a simple night. It was guys' night. And we had pizza and wings. We have a few guys' night every fall. Usually on Monday night, we watch a little football. We have some pizza and wings, and we just fellowship together. And I don't know what it was about this night, but two of our guys, a high school student and a junior high student, I don't know if they were bored or what, but decided they were going to amp things up a little bit. And they were going to play Bucking Bronco. And so the high school student got down on all fours, the little scrawny junior higher. We'll call them Ethan, Ethan and Jared. Those may or may not be their names. And Jared gets on top of Ethan, and I'm still watching the game. I have no idea who was playing, but I was into the game. And I'm kind of looking out of the corner of my eye because I'm thinking, what are they doing? I mean, what, what, what's going on? And this took place for a few more minutes, but again, they kind of got bored with that. And so Ethan wanted to get a little bit more, you know, aggressive in what he was doing. And Jared's kind of flopping around a little bit more. And all of a sudden, Ethan kind of gives one of those big, you know, just everything he has. Jared goes flying off. And I'm kind of noticing this a little bit out of the corner of my eye. I'm not awfully worried because they're teenagers and just they do weird things at times. You're laughing. You know that's kind of true, right? And Jared goes off, Ethan, and he lands on the ground kind of funny. And I don't really think anything of it, but then I kind of keep looking out of the corner of my eye, and Jared's not moving. And I'm like, oh, he's just probably a little, you know, I don't know. Probably not that big a deal. He'll be moving any second, I'm sure. And I kind of keep looking, and Jared's not moving. So I kind of call out, Jared? Nothing. Jared? Okay, now, now I'm out of the couch. Now I'm not watching the football game anymore. And I go up, Jared? Jared, are you all right? And he's just like this, breathing, blinking. Like, Jared, can you hear me? Little tear rolls out of his eye. <laughs> Jared, you all right? He's a junior higher. I think so. <laughs> do you want to move or what do you want to do here? 
Yeah, I'm good. Give me a second. In those few moments, I'm thinking, what has happened to Jared? I don't know exactly what it was, but some type of impact maybe sent a little shocker through the shoulder of the neck and just kind of stunned him. I don't know what it was, but it's one of the scarier moments in my ministry life. I want to talk about your life, young people, those who know Christ, the gospel, and you taking the gospel to somebody who doesn't know Christ to impact them with the gospel. You catch that? Your life, the gospel, those two things going together to impact somebody for the gospel. So we want to talk about tonight. Your life, the gospel, and listen carefully, you going with the gospel. I would ask you tonight, are you a person of gospel impact? And I'm talking about in your world in which you live in. Are you a person with gospel impact to the people in your world? Are you making gospel impact by how you live life, but also by what comes out of your mouth? And I want you to think about this. Am I going? And you might be saying, going where? Where you live life? On your team? Your neighborhood, your school, I'm not talking about far away. I'm talking about right now tonight. Are you going with the gospel to the place where you go every day? And do we see those places, our hobbies, our friends, the street in which we live on, do we see those as places where we're called to make gospel impact? Are they more about something else? Are we making gospel impact? I'm asking again tonight, are you going? Are you going with the mission in mind to the places in which you go every day to share the gospel and impact somebody's life with the gospel? That's what God has called those who follow him to do. We are to go and we're to make disciples. And that starts by sharing the gospel. Are you with me? I hope so. We need this tonight. Acts chapter 4. I want to give you a little bit of background of the book of Acts. What's going on in the previous three chapters? Are you ready? Here we go. Wait, are you ready? Okay, good. Acts chapter 1. Christ gives an assignment to his disciples. They're going to receive power and the Holy Spirit comes. And they have a task. They're going to be witnesses locally to the ends of the earth, globally, and then Jesus ascends into heaven. Imagine what that was like. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. It's the beginning of the church, an amazing time. By the way, if you've never read through the book of Acts, like even in one sitting, or over a little bit of, t- a little bit of each day reading some of the book of Acts, if you've never read the book of Acts, it's an amazing book. The spread of the gospel, the church being built. At the end of Acts chapter 2, people are getting saved like crazy. And then in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they're on the way to the temple. And on the way to the temple, they they come across a man who who had never been able to walk. He had been crippled since birth and would sit at the gate and would beg. And no doubt people knew who this guy was. Peter and John walk by and he reaches out, calls out perhaps for help and 
And what do they say? Well, we don't have money. We don't have silver, silver and gold. But what do they do? The man who, who had never been able to walk, by the power of God working through them, this man is healed. An amazing thing. And the result, what was the result here? The result of Peter and John healing this crippled man, it got people's attention. And there was some awe and there was some amazement. But some of the religious leaders that opposed Jesus also took notice. And we get to Acts chapter 4. Listen carefully because we begin to see this. Opposition to the gospel. And it's amazing, it's amazing to me that God chose opposition and persecution as a way to spread the gospel throughout the regions. God used persecution and opposition. You're not going to find very many chapters in the book of Acts that don't have persecution. But you know what is often together in the book of Acts? Listen carefully. Persecution and gospel growth. Persecution and the gospel being spread. You find those together throughout the book of Acts. And as we get to Acts chapter 4, we see this. Look in verse 1. Look in your Bibles, please. Now as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the commander of the temple police and the Sadducees confronted them. Because they were provoked, they were upset, that they were teaching the people and proclaiming the resurrection from the dead using Jesus as an example. In verse 3, and so they seized them and they put them in custody until the next day since it was already evening. Verse 4, but many of those who heard the message believed and the number of men came to be about 5,000. Opposition. Peter and John at nights are seized and they're thrown in jail, going to stand before, quote unquote, on a trial the next morning and follow along as we keep setting this up. Peter and John are arrested. Why? Well, from a broad sense, they've been teaching and preaching the gospel, but specifically that Jesus rose from the dead. Sadducees didn't like that. And so they're seized and they're thrown in jail. And I want you to notice as we continue to develop this, opposition doesn't stop them. Difficulty doesn't frighten them. People opposing Jesus and the message, it doesn't cause them to shrink back. And I think in the book of Acts, it's opposite. The gospel goes forwards. And they're asked this question. Go to verse 5. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. And they had Peter and John stand before them, and they asked the question, by what power or by what name have you done this? What are they talking about? The healing of the lame man. And Peter says, through Christ and through the power of God and his spirit, this man stands before you and it's healed. And it's not us, it's God working through us. And I love Peter's response. So many things here in Acts chapter 4. But he points them to Christ. Verse 12, there is salvation and no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to people. And we must be saved by it. 
Tonight, I want to give you just three ingredients to make gospel impact with your life through relationship with people. And I don't mean ingredients like just follow these three steps and somebody will get saved. But how can you be a person just by the overflow of your heart, you make gospel impact in the world in which you live life every day. But before we do that, foundational young people, you need to hear this tonight, please. Foundational to your witness is having an understanding of who Jesus is. That in our gospel witness, we are pointing people to a person. And that's Jesus Christ. Our witness, as we share, must direct people to the truth, the person of salvation, and it's Christ alone. And Peter really says that twice in verse 12. There is no other name given and then people must be saved by it. That's Christ. Who's Christ? Who is Jesus? We must understand that who he is real quick. He is fully God and he is fully man. He lived a sinless life was perfect. He wasn't just a good man, a good teacher, or a historical person. He was God. He was the Son of God. And what, what has he done? What did he do? God, out of love, sent his Son to die on the cross. And I love each time when I share the gospel to use these words, in our place. In our place. Jesus died so we wouldn't have to. And as we mentioned Tuesday night, there had to be a perfect sacrifice so sin could be paid for. And he and he alone has made the way for sinners to be made right with God by his death and his resurrection. He alone saves. And we must be saved. I want to ask you this. And I don't care what grade you're in. But do you understand the gospel with clarity in such a way that you can speak it to somebody? And you point them to Jesus. If I were to ask you right now, we're going to look right up here. Write out the gospel. Would you be able to do that? The gospel is what changes people. And we need to take just a time out here. You may be sitting there going right now, I don't know if I could write out what the gospel is. You have a step to take out of junior high camp 2019. Seventh grader, eighth grader, ninth grader, counselor. If we can't articulate the gospel clearly, we have a takeaway from this week. Paul was precise in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 3, for I delivered to you as a first importance... What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. He was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. We point people to Jesus. Do you know the gospel, believer, that you can speak it and articulate it and point people to power? Go back to Acts chapter 4. Things are going to move on. And they're going to pick up quickly. There's some confusion as Peter and John are standing before these religious rulers and other people. 
There's some confusion. Verse 13, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John, and they realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Some confusion from the religious leaders. Aren't these just plain, uneducated, ordinary men? How do they speak like this? How do they speak with confidence and boldness, and they're unashamed. How do they do that? They've not been to a school to learn speech. He's right. Nobody's from nowhere. Amen. They've not been to a religious school. Some would translate uneducated, untrained men, illiterate idiots, but that's not like what we think in our culture today. These men were plain, ordinary, common folks who didn't have the training like the other religious people. And they're confused, like, how? How is this? And the end of the verse says, and they realized they'd been with Jesus. It's an amazing statement for a number of reasons. How could they speak with boldness? Young people, look right up here. Do you lack boldness at times in your witness? I do. Because sometimes we lack confidence in our witness. I do. Or sometimes are we ashamed of the gospel and we don't speak like we ought. In this moment, my friends, these men who were ordinary spoke with confidence, boldness, and they were unashamed. Where did that come from? Any ideas? They've been with Jesus. And I would dare say the more we know the Savior personally, that's the John 15, abiding with him through his words. The more we know him, the more we know who he is and how he works his plan out in salvation, the greater confidence that we have in our witness. How many of you got a sunburn of some type this week? Like all of you. You're like, that is the dumbest question you've asked yet this week. Do you know how hot it is outside? Look right up here. When you're out in the sun, you can see it. The sun affects you. And in the same way, in the same way, when you spend time with Jesus in the word of God, it affects you. The first ingredient tonight I want to give you is this, is we, you look like Jesus. Where does that come from? Being with Jesus, abiding with him, fellowshipping with him, getting to know him and enjoying him in the words. I would ask you this again tonight. Is it obvious by the overflow of your heart, the overflow, your actions, that you have been with Jesus and you're unashamed of him? Is it obvious that because of time spent with him, you are different He's changed you. Who do you look like right now? Is it obvious you have been with Jesus? When you spend time with the Son, S-O-N, we become more conformed to his image, don't we? As you think about going home, 
As you think about your life, the gospel going to somebody else, do we look like him? Do we know him? Are we growing to know him more every day? And like we said this week, God uses the simple, ordinary people. Just consider Peter. And the message that he preached in Acts chapter 2, and it wasn't, it wasn't too long before that he denied Jesus. God uses imperfect people who will surrender, follow, and obey. Our first step, ingredient for gospel impact, life on life, is we need to look like Jesus. Go back to chapter 4. The story goes on. The religious leaders, they're like, yup, he's healed. We knew he couldn't walk. Now he is. It's obvious. Verse 16, and since they saw the man who had been healed standing with him, they had nothing to say in response. And after they'd ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves saying, what should we do with these guys? It's an obvious sign, evidence all who live in Jerusalem has been done through them and we cannot deny it. And so this teaching of Christ and the resurrection, so it spreads no further. They commanded them not to teach or preach about Christ and the cross and the resurrection any further. They're threatened and they're released. And I love Peter and John's response to that in verse 20. Remember, they've just been told, no more. No more talking about this Jesus and the resurrection and what he's done. And verse 19, but Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for you or for us to listen to you, rather than to God, you decide. Guys, there's boldness here. We are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard Just think for a moment what that meant for Peter and John who have been with Jesus while he was here on earth ministering. What had they seen and what had they observed about Christ? They'd seen a lot. They see him, they saw him be brought back to life. He was alive. And they said, we can't stop talking about what we've seen and heard. Do you know this? We talk about what we love, do we not? We don't have to be guilted to talk about the things that we love. And they said, we can't stop talking about what we've seen and heard. There was direct impact on their life because of time spent with him. I like basketball, okay? I really like basketball. This last October, my son and I, we got tickets, a little father-son road trip to Chicago to watch the Bulls. And not really the Bulls, but the Golden State Warriors. By the way, let me give you the second point. I've already said it. Number two, you can't stop talking about him. We'll come back to that in just a moment. And while we were preparing to leave for the trip, my son was pretty excited, like Steph Curry. You don't have to amen that, I guess, but no. He's like, I'm going to get his autograph. I'm like... No, you're not. It's an NBA game. I mean, I didn't say that directly, but in my mind, I'm like, not happening, bro. Not, no, I mean, there's thousands of people. We get there early, and we go in, and we get right along where the players come in. My son was wearing a Steph Curry jersey. He's like, Dad, I'm going to get him. I'm like, no, you're not. But then I realized, we're actually in a really good spot. But what are the odds, right? 
So Steph Curry comes out and he does his whole warm-up thing there in the United Center. And then he's, after he's done, he starts signing autographs. And he's doing a lot of them. He starts coming down the line. And I'm like, oh, Gunner has now taken his jersey off. He's ready. He's waiting. And so am I. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. I'm texting my wife. I'm like, he's coming close. We might, we might get his autograph. Like, is this, is this really happening? He keeps coming. He keeps coming. He, he gets closer. He gets closer. He gets closer. He takes the jersey. He signs it. My son turns around. I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. <laughs> Can I tell you something? I texted a lot of people in the next 20 minutes that we got his autograph. I mean, Gunner got his autograph. No one had to guilt me into telling as many people as I could. Do you know why? Because we enjoy it. We love it in a right sense. I don't know what your concept of Jesus is, but do you enjoy him? Knowing who he is and what he's done for your life in such a way that it's impacted you and you can't stop talking about what he's done in your life. It's the overflow of love is why we want to speak the gospel, not guilted into speaking the gospel. But when I've been with Jesus, and I'm abiding with him, and I see more and more his glory, Greg mentioned John chapter 1, and who he is, and what he came to do, and then he's the light of the world with a life-changing message. How can I not speak it more? And I don't want to guilt you tonight. Guilting you will do no good for the gospel. Our hearts have to be affected. And I wonder if at times our struggle to impact people with the gospel is not a, a problem of, I don't have enough opportunities. But it's what we talked about last night, I have too many loves. I need you to hear this again tonight. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior... And some of you still yet need to come to Jesus, and we're praying that's even yet tonight for you because we love you. But if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the gospel has literally changed your life. And sometimes the longer we're in the church, we forget what Jesus has done. Our destination has been changed. I'm no longer in my sin. I'm in Christ. And my destination is no longer being separated from God, but I live for Jesus now, and I have all of eternity. The gospel, if you know Christ by faith, has literally changed your life. We probably should be a bit more like the woman at the well in John 4. When she realized what Jesus was talking about and the satisfaction of life-giving water that he was giving, she left and she ran into the town and said, you got to meet this man. We ought to be a bit more like that. As you consider your gospel witness teenagers, my prayer is that your own salvation would be your motivation to share the gospel to a dark world that desperately needs it. We cannot forget that God was rich in love and he saved us. That should be our motivation to share with the lost. I want to say this. Do not take your salvation for granted. Does God's love for you motivate 
your love for the lost. You might be thinking, well, I don't really like basketball. Anybody tell me what this is? Not, not that one, that one. What is it? High school musical. We were in, I, I, have, I, I have no idea what this is, really. But we were in Salt Lake a few weeks ago. And the girls of our youth group were like, do you know the high school in high school, or the high school that's in a high school musical is in Salt Lake? What are you talking about? I had to ask my wife. <laughs> Can we go there? And we went. And do you know what they talked about for another day or two? And it was all over their social media. High school musical. Why? We talk about what we love. I want you to walk away with that tonight. We talk about that which we love. We naturally share the things that bring us joy. What step do you need to take as we wrap up this week to find greater joy in your Savior? The things we love and enjoy, we speak about. And the call for believers to go and make disciples is not optional for those who know Christ. And you might say, well, I don't know enough. I'm, I'm not good with people. That doesn't do anything about the call to go and to make disciples. Would you go to chapter 5 with me? And we're looking as the gospel is spreading throughout the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 5, there's another wave of persecution that we can look at to learn about how we can make gospel impact. Would you sit up tonight and listen as we, as we head into chapter 5? More waves of persecution and difficulty. Acts chapter 5 and verse 17. Then, well, what's just been happening? There's been some amazing things that have been done. Signs and wonders and people are filled with awe and amazement. Difficulty, yes, at the beginning of Acts chapter 5 in the church, yes. But the gospel is moving forward. But then, then... Verse 17, the high priest took action. He and all his colleagues, those who belonged to the party of the Sadducees, catch this, were filled with jealousy. And so they arrested the apostles and they put them in the city jail. Do you catch what's going on? Apostles, back in jail. Why? The people that opposed Jesus, they were jealous because things were happening for the gospel. And these guys were getting all of the attention. And then I love verse 19 and 20. Look at God's power here. But an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night, brought them out, and said, what's the word? Look in your Bibles. Go. And stand in the temple complex and tell the people, all about this life, referring to the message, to the gospel. What an amazing thing. You're in jail. Imagine this. You're in jail for preaching and teaching the gospel. And an angel of the Lord comes, sets you free, and says, go back and do what you had been doing. What an amazing scene. And what do they do? What is it? They're set free from jail, and what do they do? What is it? They go. 
they go. They go where? I would dare say this, not to a place of comfort. Disciples of Christ are called. We are called to go towards need and not comfort, as one put it. Some of you missed that. Disciples of Christ, those who know him by faith, we are called to go towards need. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we live in a culture with a lot of need. There's a lot of solutions in our world to all of the need, but do you know what is the answer? The gospel message. That's what our world needs. And at times, if you're like me, we're far too attracted to comfort rather than to be broken over need. And they go. And what does it say there? The instructions that they were given? They go and they stand. You know what that word means? Steadfast. No matter what it takes, stand firm. Ephesians 6 type standing in the strength of God. Go and stand. And you know what they're doing? They're going back to the people and sharing the gospel, risking life, reputation, all of that to share Christ. But what do they do? They go and, verse 21 says, they go at daybreak. How many of you hate the morning? How many of you are frustrated by people who love the morning? Yeah, yeah. They, at daybreak, I get a sense as I look at the text, there's some urgency to go and stand. And right away, at daybreak, they go. And they go back to the place where they faced opposition. And this is what God has called us to do. This is what is needed to make gospel impact. Young people, you, if you know Christ, the church is called to go. Not stay together and huddle just as believers and it's out there and we're in here. No, we're called to go. And we need teenagers to do that because you can do that. God can use you in this way. We go and we stand. But why don't we? I have a close friend of mine, his name is Mark Davis. And a number of years ago, we were speaking at a camp in Florida. And I can't remember if he was the morning, I was the evening, or it was flipped around. But you think this is hot. Florida in July. Oh boy. And we get there on a Monday. We're talking to the camp director. The camp was on just this little tiny lake. I think it might have been their own little lake. But it's Florida. What's in the water in Florida? Yeah. Is it alligators or crocodiles? Whatever you say, whatever. One of those. He's like, yeah, we've, we, we've, we've, we've seen a couple in there. I don't, I don't remember if they'd caught a couple or whatever, but I'm thinking, okay. Probably going to stay out of the lake. We get to camp. And the camp boat is on the lake. Pulling tubers. Thinking... You've seen crocodiles or alligators early in the summer. Water, boats, tube. Yeah, no thanks. 
But I walk down to the shoreline, and I'm observing what's happening. Campers are having a great time. I'm thinking, well, I'm still not going to go out on the boats. But as you campers often do, you get together. And you start chanting things. You ever realize how much you chant at camp? (laughs) Everything's a chant. We chant about everything. Even feeding the chickens. I don't know. (laughs) Pastor Matt, this is for you. And I'm standing there, Mark and I are, and they start chanting my name. Because they want me to go out tubing on the boat. I don't want to. But they continue to chant my name. And I begin to have this thought in my mind, well, I don't want to let them down. I don't want to go, but I think I'm going to. And all of a sudden I realize I'm in the boat. And I'm getting on the inner tube. Mark's not with me. He's in the boat. And we go out. And you know how you normally ride a tube like this? I'm more in the fetal position. I don't want any limb off. And I'm thinking, if my wife hears about this, she's like, what were you thinking? Clearly I wasn't. And so we take off, and the death grip of all death grip is in my hands. And I'm hanging on to the inner tube. And I'm thinking, I know what's going to happen here. And Mark's not helping the situation because he's in the boat, and he's going like this. Over there. Over there. (laughs) Thankfully, the Lord spared us all. You know why I went in? Because I cared what they thought about me. And I wonder if at times we care far too what people think about us and not about gospel need. The last thing tonight, as we go to take our life and the gospel to somebody else's life, we cannot be afraid of what people think about us. Eternity will outlast what people will think of you. And they go and they stand. Too often, friends, we are the crowd in John chapter 12 who quit following after Jesus and they refuse to believe. Why? Because in verse 43 it says, they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. They loved approval of man rather than God. Are you willing because of need and the call to go, to go where it's uncomfortable? outside of our comfort zone to share Christ. Jesus did this. Hebrews 13, it says that Christ suffered outside the gates in order to sanctify the people through his blood. And so therefore, let us go to him outside of the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. Are we willing to risk loss, earthly loss? That's all it is for the name of Christ. Part of our identity in Christ, Philippians 3.10, reminds us that we share in his sufferings. We often like the other stuff about Christ. Hey, I'm in him. And I got hope, and I got joy, and I got a relationship. And I have the spirit living inside of me. Oh, I also share in his sufferings? I don't like that one as much. Part of our identity in Christ is we share for the glory of God and the gospel in his suffering. Are we willing to go towards need? Perhaps maybe risking being made fun of. Maybe somebody, what they think of us will change because we try to love them and build a relationship so we can share the gospel. Are we willing to go 
And if not, why not? I'm asking this as much as me as I am of you. Do we realize what is at stake? We have to hold loosely, friends, to what this life has to offer because eternity is on the line. This must burden us with urgency. And I want you to see how all of this ends. It's beautiful. And go to verse 22 with me. They have just gone back to stand to share Christ. And for the sake of time, here's what happens in the next few verses. And I want to get to the end of chapter 5 in just a moment. The religious leaders get word, hey, those guys you put in jail, they're not there. And somebody comes in. In verse 25, look there with me. Someone came in and reported to them, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple complex, and they're teaching the people. And so these apostles are brought back in. What are we going to do with them? There's a guy by the name of Gamil who stands up and gives some advice. You probably shouldn't kill them. And he has a reason for it. But so that the gospel message would be stopped, they beat them, and they beat them very severely. Why? Because they did a crime? They stole something? They abused something? No. They were preaching Christ and the cross and the resurrection. They took a beating, my friends. In verse 40, you got to see this. After they called in the apostles and had them flogged, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they released them. And they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be dishonored on behalf of the name of Christ. You're beaten for speaking Jesus. What are you going to do? What would I do? They continue to go on. And in verse 42, every day in the temple complex, various homes, they continue teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. Amazing, amazing thing. They kept on going. Young people, that's gospel impact. Are you going? Again, you might say, where? The place which you live life. The places that you go most often, do you see those as places to reach people? And here's the deal. We've got to be motivated by love of Christ. Young people, we can't be just gospel salesmen. We actually have to love people. Sometimes it's too much about a presentation of the gospel and it's less about a relationship with them that says, I'm with you, I love you, I care with you, and even if you reject the gospel, I'm gonna continue to walk alongside because I genuinely love you and I want you to come to know Christ. We have to love Jesus and then if we do, if there's love of God, we'll love people. I think one of the greatest ways that people come to know Christ is through relationship. And sometimes we have to share Christ many times with a youth sponsor in our youth group. Her name is Nancy. Her dad got saved not too long ago. They prayed for him for years. 
I remember correctly, he was in his 60s when he came to know Christ. They prayed forever. Do you love people that way that you go, build relationship, live alongside, life on life, because there's need? Can you do something for me right now? Take a pen. On your notes, if you didn't bring that tonight, then you're going to have to do this in your head. Do you have one person? I'm not saying five, six, three, whatever. Do you have one person in your circle where you live life day after day who doesn't know Christ? Could be a teammate, might be a neighbor. I don't know if you have jobs yet. It could be a coworker, the person you sit beside every day. Driver's Ed this summer. Where you normally go, do you have one name of somebody who doesn't know Christ? Can you get that name clear right now in your mind? Maybe even write it on your paper. Can you do that? And some of you, you have many people in your life who don't know Christ. I'm saying just one. And you might say, I don't have anybody in my life that's unsaved. Well, you got another takeaway out of camp. What can you begin to do in a right way that puts you in contact with unbelievers? We're called to go and make disciples. Go and stand. Do you have one name in mind? Would you raise your hand if you do? How many have one name in mind? Put your hand down. Some of you I know and hands that were raised, you've shared Christ with this person. Can I encourage you tonight? Keep praying for them. Keep praying for them. Keep loving them unconditionally. Look like Jesus in your life, in your words, in your example, and be unashamed towards that person. Keep living with them. Are we going? What should motivate us? Yes, Christ, the love of Christ, it compels us. But there's a need for people to go. We have to ask tonight, we ask this tonight, do I care? My job is not to save anybody. God does that through his spirit. But I am called to speak the gospel. I don't do the work of saving, but I do the work of speaking and going. And can I tell you something? We need more people to go. We need more people to speak. I'm not saying come up with some huge evangelistic program, an event in your church. I'm just talking about tonight, the place where you live a lot of life. Start there. Do we see people as Christ did in Matthew chapter 9? They're hurting, they're helpless, they're harassed, they're lost, they're blind. Do we care? Do we care? Do we act? Do we believe the power of the gospel? Do we trust in the sovereignty of God? What motivates us? Well, there's a need. What else should motivate us? The power of the gospel. Fight the notion or the thought or the fear thought that the gospel can't change somebody's life. Romans 1.16 reminds us it's the power of God unto salvation. I don't save but the gospel is power. The word is power. It's the message of life. And you, this isn't just a pastor. We're called to preach Christ and Christ crucified. He loves sinners and he saved us. Do we believe the power of the gospel? What else should motivate us? Yes, there's need. 
The power of the gospel should motivate us. The sovereignty of God should motivate us. I think the reality of eternity should motivate us. For those of you who know Christ, you've come to understand that your sin has separated you from God and you deserve to pay for your own sin and take on all the wrath of God. You deserve that, but Christ in your place, he died on the cross and he saved you. And I do not want you to leave this week of camp without urgency planted in your hearts. And if someone dies and they don't place their faith and trust in Christ, when they die, they are separated from God forever. Again, I cannot save anybody, but I can speak truth. I can speak the gospel, the reality of eternity and the shortness of life ought to motivate us. Death is certain. Life is short. Sin separates us from God. Why not go? And stand. And why not go with the gospel and make impact? As Chad and Greg are coming tonight, they're going to come forward. It's just real simple what I want you to do tonight. Chad, in a moment, will start. We'll start playing. And those of you who know Jesus Christ as your Savior, continue to look right up here, please. As Chad is playing, would you pray for the person that you wrote down or you have in your mind? Would you pray for them? Paul reminds us that key to our gospel impact is praying for boldness and praying that we would speak like we ought to speak about the gospel. Would you bow your head? In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to start praying right where you're at for that one person. But I do realize attention locked in right now. I know you can do this. I do realize that some of you didn't have a name to write down because you are the name. You don't know Christ. And you need to trust Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. We've talked about that all week long in many, many places. It's confession, it's repentance and trust in Christ. If you do not know Christ, and God has been at work in your life this week, and you've realized, I am lost. I need Christ. I want to put my faith and trust in him. And you want to take care of that tonight. There's no campers that are looking around right now. It's only the counselors. But if you tonight need to turn from your sin and turn to Christ by faith, and you want to take care of that, not because of some expectation or pressure, but God's just at work in your heart and you know it. And you want to take care of that tonight. Would you raise your hands? Anyone else? Okay, you can put your hands down. Those of you that profess Christ by faith, I'm going to give you a couple moments. And I just want to think about the rest of the night, tomorrow morning, what's going on at home. But just take a few moments 
and pray for your boldness. Pray for confidence in the gospel. Pray for that person who doesn't know Christ. And I fully realize we can go home tomorrow and we can shelve this. And we want to act with urgency. So even as you pray, you might even want to begin to think about a time frame. Lord, this week, I'm going to call my friend. I'm going to take him out for coffee. I'm going to visit with them out in the lawn about Christ. I'd encourage you, put a deadline. And by God's help, would you go to that person by that deadline? I'm going to stop talking. Believers, would you pray? Pray for boldness. Pray that God will give you strength. You'd be unashamed to speak the words of life to them. Take a few moments and pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your great power to save. You are mighty to save. And you save according to your mercy and your grace and your kindness. You don't save based upon what we do, our own merits or works. You save out of your kindness. It's grace, it's mercy. And God, you've called those who know Christ to go and to stand, and we're to go towards need. Lord, I pray for these young people who have spent a few moments praying for boldness and confidence. They maybe even prayed for that name of a friend or family member, mom, dad, sister, brother, whoever it might be, somebody that they live life with every day. I pray that you'd give them confidence speak Christ and the hope of the gospel to them, even to use our own salvation story as a way to point people to truth. Lord, I pray that we would act with urgency. And that name, it's in our, it's in our minds. May we be alongside that person even if they reject the gospel and build that relationship with them and pray for them and pray for boldness. Lord, at times rejection and sharing Christ is a hard thing, but we're reminded we don't save, you do. So we speak. Lord, I do pray for those who don't know Christ that you would draw them to yourself even this evening, even before our night is up. There's been a number who have professed Christ already, and we're, we're, we're grateful. Overjoyed is probably a better word. Lord, as we close in song, if there's those who don't know Christ, I pray that they'd go back and they'd meet with their counselor and they'd place their trust in Christ and Christ alone. And we'd leave tomorrow with urgency and urgency for the long haul to share Christ. We'd look like him.
We'd find joy in Christ so it's the overflow of the heart and we wouldn't be afraid of what people think about us. And God, use these young people however you desire and may people come to know Christ through them speaking truth. And Lord, so we end this week leaving that in your hands, acknowledging you are great and you are good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand? We close, we'll sing. If you don't know Christ, we'd love for you to go back and meet with your counselor.